0: I'm Freddie Bryant, and this is Coffee Talk.
1: Hello, and welcome again to the official podcast of the Guitar Department at Berklee College of Music. My name's Ian, and we have another episode of Coffee Talk for you. This week, we're joined by guitar professor Freddie Bryant. Freddie's an internationally renowned guitarist who jazz legend Kenny Burrell once described as a brilliant young guitarist and composer. Having played with folks like Chris Potter, Max Roach, and many others, he's performed at the Kennedy Center on NPR and has toured 55 countries around the world. He currently performs with the Mingus Orchestra and his own group Kaleidoscope, with which he's served as jazz ambassador for the U.S. State Department. As always, a lot of this content will also be available on YouTube, and we have a ton of other great content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so give us a like and a subscribe on whatever platform you use. Here's our interview with Freddie Bryan.
2: Welcome everyone, I'm Kim Perlack, I'm the chair of the guitar department at Berkeley College of Music, and welcome to another Coffee Talk. We've got Cheryl Bailey as usual. Hey, Cheryl. Coffee cheers. Cheers to (laughs) you. And our senior coordinator Ian Steed is with us again. Hey, Ian. Hey, everybody. And our guest today is Professor Freddie Bryant. Um, Hey, Freddie, how are you?
0: How are you doing? I'm good.
2: Good. Um, Freddie, are you drinking coffee? How
0: do you take it? I am drinking coffee. I got my French press. It's pretty dark. It's like uh, I don't. I don't follow any recipes, and I certainly boiled my water.
2: <laughs> you got a spoon there. Like, is that just for, like,
0: you no? Know, it's you because gonna... it's because I'm a wimp, mm-hmm. and I have um, half and half and sugar. Ooh. Sugar, sugar, base. That's what I'm talking
2: about. So I'm looking at the background there. Um, where are you in the world? Are you on the island?
0: I am on the island.
2: Oh, and if you're listening on the podcast, he just opened the window and there's a palm tree right there.
0: But it's backlighting, so
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's not a bad view. Not a bad view.
0: No, I see it over that way. And, uh, and it's great. It's, it's been a, a pleasure and, a, uh, and just an, uh, you know, expected uh, blessing to be able to be uh, in this place and, and, at the same time, teach all these amazing students.
2: Incredible. So for people who haven't been hanging around and in, uh, in our meetings and stuff, and Freddie went down um, to the Caribbean and got kind of stuck there. In the beginning of the pandemic, and then it's become kind of a second home for you this yep. whole year and a half.
0: Yeah, yep. it was a, it was a really interesting coincidence because we bought the tickets in two thousand nineteen in November, and uh, it was just for the spring break. You know, we came down, and luckily we, we have a place that we that we rent out, and of course with nobody who wants to rent it, and so. <laughs> So it's like, you know, it, it's the same bills we'd pay, no matter where we'd be, still have to pay, you know, uh, the expenses. And um, anyway, uh, it's just been great because, um, I mean, I've been in- inspired by <laughs> my students all around the world. You know, it, it's been a complete international ex- uh, experiment and uh, adventure, you know, like having students uh taking uh their guitar lessons at three in the morning in their car in japan because their parents uh you know you know they they can't and then even even you know playing at home but without a mic without an amplifier or something like that i mean it's just been amazing and the dedication uh that some of these students all of them actually did to to actually Study online, like really starting at eleven and ending at five or six in the morning. That's just uh, kind of mind-boggling. Actually, that's how I feel right now because I spent uh, a whole night uh, writing music. So that's what I've been doing for this year. I've been writing music. I have a, a grant from the Chamber Music of America's um, New Jazz Works Grant uh, for a nonet with a great group. And um, so actually, last night um, that's why. I need the coffee because uh, even with the cream and the sugar, you know, it's strong enough that it's going to, you know, keep <laughs> me for this uh, wonderful coffee talk.
2: That's great. So I have two questions about what you just said. And I'm going to start with the creative one first because I think people always say, it's something people always say, well, if I could just go to a tropical island, I'd be inspired. And if I could live there for like a year, you know, think of all the amazing creative things I did and then you ended up really living on a tropical island for a year and then you got you had this amazing grant and you've been composing. Can you are there a few specific things you think that happened for you creatively that might not have happened in a different place.
0: Whoa, in a different place well, first of all, like I did this. Uh... Really nice concert for the Miami International Guitar Festival, the the uh, Mezut Ozgen uh, one in um, at FIU, Florida International mm-hmm. University. It's called Guitar, Git and Art together. Anyway, it doesn't sound that great when you say it very fast. But um, anyway, the Guitar. Classical, Actually, it's not, it's really a classical music guitar festival, but they opened it up, they had some uh, Brazilians, they had some flamenco people, and they had one or two guys playing jazz, like me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I play, I started out with some classical music, anyway, that wouldn't have happened uh, the way it happened, because where I was, I had to actually pre-record the concert, Mm -hmm. so I was looking for a church. And I just didn't know the right people I went to a church and it didn't have the right vibe, believe it or not, it was carpeted and it was really weird but but. Um, I, I found somebody who f- hooked me up in a villa you know, and so the first uh, set of music is in a villa and then the second set of music is in the, uh, the lobby of the Sotheby's where the guy who set me up with the villa and the third set of music is in a tropical garden um, outside so I just had to deal with the mosquitoes and all that kind of stuff but other than that it was uh, it was great I I really had to look at the weather report for the wind because it was really I mean really 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 um, concerning because you know you know it's just not good unless you want sound effects you know you know but um, right yeah so, so that happened. And then on the technical side, I actually did a two camera shoot with my, my camera, my phone and my wife's phone. And um, I'm proud of myself, I did a pretty good job, but uh, I would not have done that. I mean, I've tried so many times and failed so many times in the past, you know, to
3: mm.
0: do something uh, and that was a big project, you know, an hour's worth of music. And then I did an hour uh, Brazilian workshop, uh, also on uh, um, remote and pre recorded. And that one I'm even more proud of because I had a student who was in New Jersey and uh, I did a lesson with him beforehand and he taped himself. I taped myself. Then he sent me his files and then I played on top of his track, you know, so it sounded like we were playing duo so if you go and search uh, FIU uh, guitar festival Freddie Bryant um, Brazilian workshop you'll find it and um, there are three places where I play with the guy and uh, and actually I made it possible that people around the world could go to my um, Facebook page and download music and then practice it with us and actually play with us in real time um on their own with the music so so it was kind of it it was a really interesting way of trying to get content to students you know
2: yeah i mean that was kind of the second question i had for you was you know you ended up in a situation very much like your students where you know you went down to this place thinking you'd be there for a week or two And you didn't have all your guitars and you didn't have all your equipment and you were calling me saying like hi i don't have any of my music that i need like who might have the music that i need to teach guitar sessions and you know it's like you had to learn how to do new things you had to learn how to adapt you had to learn how to kind of scramble and then we couldn't mail you anything because the mail had stopped and do everything on pdf and google drives and all these things um so that was a cool story about that and then But then you're also in this beautiful setting, right? So once you negotiate all of these issues and find these innovative, creative opportunities in them, what about being on the island itself? Like, did that inspire you in a way you imagined or were there any surprises that came from just being in that beautiful place?
0: Well, I I could say that uh, for mental health, uh, it's definitely been, Good. And and this is during a time when stress is like was at the height of everything, you know, like uh, in New York and around the world and the fear of everything. Um, It uh, it it allowed me to every day sort of allowed me to. Well, I don't know if there's something physical uh, and scientific about it, but the ions in in the salt water or just walking on the on the sand. It has an effect and I I do teach a a weekly Tai Chi lesson on zoom from here. Um, And um, you know i've been talking with some of my students about various things like uh, walking barefoot you know and um, feeling the ground, you know, and um, so I was doing that the whole year, you know in midday. You know, because I would go out early and then I'd come back and swim and then come back and then get ready for the day. But, but just feeling the energy from the earth uh, is really amazing. And, um, and it's, I would say that there's something that as a New Yorker that has never lived anywhere else besides New York. Except for college, and that was only three hours away, and I was always back every two, three weeks to see my girlfriend, my high school girlfriend. So you know, I was I was in New York and Boston, New York and Boston. I was in Amherst College actually at that time. So, but but what surprised me is that right now, after having spent a whole year here and more than a year here, I've noticed uh, changes, uh, not uh, like of um, well, yeah, I mean the heat at the, the the at 12 noon was different in October and November and December than it was in August and July, you know, so, and um, uh, I remember um, when all the yellow butterflies uh, hatched in April, you know what I mean? And then I was away this April and missed it, you know, and I noticed that, uh, you know, there were no pelicans in pelican bay until uh you know like july and they were there for a whole time now they're not you know so so it's pretty interesting i'm noticing a lot of natural things that that have made me feel um more comfortable uh with life instead of the busy new york rat race because i guess we all know about that you know what i mean and uh it, so, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling very grateful because, because I've noticed those uh, subtle things.
2: That's great. I think um, that's interesting that you say that because we've known each other for a long time. And I think there's, um, there's this part of your reputation as the guy who never sleeps and the guy who doesn't need sleep, you know, with all the things that you do, but then there's also this reputation that you have, I think is equally interesting, which is about balance right? Like you do Tai Chi workshops, you do things that put yourself in nature, you're balancing city life with being in being like taking a break from that and being creative and taking care of your body. Mm -hmm. And also taking care of your instrument and composing. And you know, you've had a very heavy academic experience in your undergrad and your grad school work, you have an honorary doctorate, you have, you know, like you're balancing a lot of things. And then specific to our guitar department, you're one of the very few faculty who can balance a heavy, heavy classical guitar life and background with a jazz life that's equally intense and heavy. I, I got, a,
0: I got a, a real classical guitar. I should get it out.
2: Oh, it, that's okay. It,
0: it, it, Lars Franson, my my Yale School of Music uh, buddy, who's uh, the head of the classical department at, at Boston, uh, sorry, Brooklyn College. Um, <clears throat> He, he noticed, because, well, I sent him an email and a few other people, because I did my classical concert that I was talking about with this guitar, with the cutaway and the pickup, you know, but, I, but for the two um, venues that I mentioned that were inside, it was totally acoustic, just with the microphone. And then outside, I had a little bit of the, this uh, AER amplifier <clears throat> and um, my trusty little... Oh my gosh! I should show you this thing here. Um, It's the uh, whoa! I don't want to destroy anything. But that little box on top of the amp
3: Mm -hmm.
2: is
0: a miracle for.
2: Tell us what it is for the people who can't see it.
0: It is a vintage Revolution acoustic box two, and um, it is made by a genius dude in. Um, Holland, who's Italian, who, when he was getting it started, worked for NASA. And then he worked for the uh, EU Space Science Center. Then he decided to retire and get a boring job in um, patents. Uh, he's, a, he's a judge for a patents union, the EU patents union in, in Den Haag. So anyway, the guy's a genius and his whole life is about collecting vintage petals. And uh, so he got tired of collecting them, because they always you know you get five pedals and six pedals and then each time you plug it into another thing it loses its signal and 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 it does it so anyway he's he's so like anal about it that he decided to make things like that I have a. a, um, An analog multi effects unit, and then I have that thing which makes the acoustic guitar. Sounds so beautiful. I'll just have to play just a couple of couple of things. But anyway, um, I was mentioning that. Why was I mentioning? Because I didn't have a lot of things, you know. Right.
2: Yeah. And Lars, uh, Lars heard that.
3: that, what you're playing on there.
0: Is that? Can you hear it? Oh yeah. Cool. So anyway, Lars uh he had pity on me and he had he had a, he has about four uh well a bunch of uh Kono guitars from Japan. Mm-hmm. And so he laid one on me and um you know, he said just give me a, a jazz lesson every once in a while and um uh, uh you know, and you know, just hold on to it as long as you want. So I mean, I should uh anyway.
2: No, t- that's amazing. I just want to say that um You've mentioned a few names of people who are alumni of the Yale School of Music class. Oh, yeah. So right. Lars and Masoot who ran FIU. And then you and I are both alums of that program. And um, I know, Bula Bula. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you and I share two teachers in common. But um, But specifically about Yale, what I've loved about that program is that There aren't very many people who go through it because it's really small. Mm -hmm. But everyone I've met that has gone through it is incredibly creative and does a million different things that you wouldn't think would connect. And and sometimes people say, Well, how does that work? And I think you just exemplified it when you suddenly become excited and you're like, But look at this and look at this, and this is does this. And you find these connections with so many disparate things. And I think when a lot of students hear you and they think, well, like, wow, you know, you really studied classical music deeply, and you really are a jazz musician, like a New York jazz musician, and you've brought a lot of these things together, and like you play these gorgeous classical instruments beautifully in a traditional classical style, but then you're also writing music in your jazz a
0: box too. <laughs> and
2: playing your jazz box. Like, what are some of the connecting points that you see stylistically? Like for you, how does that work in your mind? Like, how did studying classical guitar inform what you're doing on jazz guitar, and vice versa? Like, how do you think about these things coming together that seem so separate to people?
0: Well, I don't know. I think one of the main things is sound, and you know, with classical guitar, uh, obviously you're talking about notes and playing the notes on the page. Okay, that's a that's a big deal, <laughs> especially when you're playing Bach. But, uh, but uh, really, it's your sound, you know, and it's your interpretation. Um, And so I spent a lot of time trying to get a good sound just with my fingers and no microphone. So this, this extension is the same thing. It's like, it's helping me get a good sound because the piezo pickup sounds like this a lot of times, you know, so that's why I have the The box, you know, and actually I used to travel with my amplifier um, overhead this little amplifier and now I can take this thing. And I can hook it up to a mic stand and when the uh, sound man disappears for a a cigarette and it's feeding back I can I have total control, except for that they have to put it, you know at five or something like that, you know, like just even you know flat and uh and then i can i can turn my i i can actually turn i have a microphone in it or the uh or both you know and i can mix it and then there's a parametric eq so so all this stuff the parametric phil DeFremery, our teacher He wouldn't know what the heck a parametric EQ is, but uh, and I don't either. But I know it does something, and there's some buttons on there that sound pretty good. So well,
2: yeah, And he would be able to tell you, no, keep turning that one. Don't. Just keep
0: turning until you know, <laughs> it sounds okay. And then I uh, sometimes take a picture of it, because uh, when you put it in the bag, unfortunately, they're gremlins in the bag. I hear you. Yeah. Dogs. They they're like they're, they're like trying to make you know you th- you you get there five minutes before the gig you sign you you put plug, plug in and then what, wait who turned the knobs? Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey Cheryl, what are you thinking about at this point?
3: Um, well, I was wanted Freddie to talk about um something that he shared with me a while back, and also because we just were talking to Amanda Monaco last week, and she was talking about how she makes students write things down, mm. write it from here. Cause this is really, this is really where the guitar is, right? It's up here and this right. is In your head. the job of this. And, and so, you know, she talked a lot about that, but I know I've had this conversation with you about this like with your students that you want them to write everything down. So maybe you could tell us about that and how you started doing it or, or what you feel is the value
0: of that. Well, call me old fashioned, but uh, I like to be able to. You're old,
3: old fashioned. You're old fashioned.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I agree. You're old fashioned. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyway, I like to actually write things down and erase and cross out, and uh, you know, you see, there's there's arrows there. Nobody knows what the heck I'm talking about here, but he's it's funny, actually uh,
2: for for everybody who's listening and not watching. He's showing like his staff paper.
0: Oh, that's right. There's four symbols, and
2: I love that. I feel like I learned someone's personality when I see a chart written out in pencil like that. I
0: love it. Here, here are notes for the piece that I'm writing. It's basically poetry. I wrote eight long poems and eight uh, haiku uh, about the Upper West Side, where I uh, grew up. And, um, and right now, I've written eight pages of lyrics to the to 11 movements and now I have three pages left and um, it's it, it's just finally it's just uh, feeling great you know after 15 months of doing half of it now I have a month to finish it but but it's fine because now I'm not as intimidated by all the words on the page you know I, I've had to I hadn't really in my life uh, written songs songs with words um, I did write some music to poetry um uh setting poems spoken word to music but not singing and um you know i think my mother and my father my mother the opera singer my father the concert pianist i think they're they're gonna be proud of me um up there um so i'm now i'm just excited now now i uh because i stayed up all night i it was really because I just had to keep with, up with the energy um, it wasn't I don't like to stay up all night I really don't you know <laughs> you might think it, but it really it. Um, I love sleep, you know and i'm a jazz musician I stay up late, Cheryl you stay up late.
3: Uh, depends i'm okay. actually, I really love getting things done early in the morning, but. But I have from being on the road, I have this really flexible clock. I yeah. could be a night person just like that, or exactly. I can slip into
0: morning. So that's where I am. And and unfortunately I I never really have the opportunity. Well, I do have it, but uh um sometimes I keep myself up uh unnecessarily, but I would rather and and, and I have been working down here during the daytime and it's really great because um, if I have energy when the sun goes down, I can keep going. But if I start right when the sun goes down, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, what do those words have to do with whatever music I'm gonna think of? I have to put words, I have to music to that." I mean, like, and then the brain starts to slow down. Um, so that's why I, you know, the the light really really helps. Um, but when I'm in the role uh you know then it's uh then 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 i i can't can't go to bed you know and afterwards like this morning after you know i still had the music just was going around in my head so it's it's fun that that that's the good thing it's fun um and you just have to go with uh you know your experience i mean not negative experience but your your feelings of of the of the of the Of the clock, you know what I mean um, i i I know that there are certain times, like you know, especially students uh they have so much work, you know, um okay, you Berkeley students, I know why you do it. it's because the music courses are like one credit or something <laughs> and 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 really, everybody wants it to be the opposite way, so they take a lot of music classes and and therefore um really. Are enjoying it because they're going to school for music, but then they have so much stuff to go uh, on their plate. Um, but anyway, with that comes a uh, responsibility to finish the work, and that's uh, a responsibility for your study, for yourself, for your teachers, and also for your body. You know, so um, people, a lot of times, people, students will ask me, you know, how do I organize my Practice time, you know and and, and for me, um, because I do too much <laughs> it, uh, it is sometimes um, I would say uh, overwhelming, uh, because really to practice uh, I, I, a, a, a noted classical guitar teacher uh, after giving me uh, unnamed uh, a master class um or during the master class on the stage said something like well you know you're going to have to give up that jazz stuff because you know you can't be a classical perf- uh, like a real classical performer if you're doing other things you know what I mean <laughs> so I was like okay well anyway um so I'm on the periphery and in, in, at least in terms of that that teacher but um but what i do um is i practice four things and and if you are a student you have eight classes that's what you practice for you know what i mean um when your summer comes (laughs) then you might want to be all uh you know in meditative uh balanced way of just oh i'm going to do these things and those things and those things and balance it and practice for three hours in the morning and three hours in the evening you know what i mean the stuff that students never get to do and they always say oh my gosh i might have to take a semester off so i can practice you know and um so so that's what i did so if i if i had a a classical concert. I would be practicing the classical music, and of course, I had studied for my whole life, so I had a background. It wasn't like I just picked it up and started practicing it. But, but you know, if I needed to have a, a recording um, project and I needed a, a project done, written stuff, that was what I'd do. Um, but um, in my my bigger picture especially for jazz musicians, is to play a song. Play the song and that will teach you everything Uh, because everything is in the song. And everything that you have to do uh, in the performance of the song is uh, your basics, you know, scales and arpeggios and chords and phrasing and sound. and uh you know you could pl- practice the whole song for 32 bars you can practice two chords from one to the next one to the next one to the next then the next to the next the next, to the next and next to the next until they starts to feel comfortable um but uh you know and i've you know lived with some well one great guitarist because i only had one roommate in my life <laughs> and that was peter bernstein and uh and you know i know Pete has practiced lots of stuff and and you know studied with lots of people like with uh, um, you know off and on with uh, with uh, Barry Harris and you know um, Ted Dunbar and, and other other, uh, other teachers. Uh, uh, well, uh, he he had a great time with Jim Hall and then Gene Burton Cini one of my teachers. But anyway, the point is uh, we used to play tunes that's what we did right Cheryl didn't we play tunes actually I Cheryl Cheryl you you practiced more than me I'm sure so let me not ask you that question I don't want to embarrass myself but uh, I played tunes and I figured out you know what I needed to do to play those tunes you know what I mean right and then in my book I would write down what it is so so because the main thing about this book sorry to take a long time answering your question is that It's about you, you know, it's about you. Um, uh, You know, everything that you do goes in there. So it's like a diary. And so I have them going back 30, 40 years. And um, um, the other year, um, actually, in my Dreamscape CD, um, there's a recording that I did of a great uh, Charlie Hayden song called Forturia. And um, uh, I decided to put it out 10 years or more after, 15 years more after it was recorded. So I put that out and then uh, <clears throat> um, a great student of mine, um, Ian, uh, sorry, sorry, mm, um, who, who um, he transcribed it, right? And the cool thing was I went back and I found because it was basically spontaneous composition um but i practiced lots of things I, i i said this song is only eight measures you know what i mean and the song you know is long the performance of it is long so so what i did i said i just went through that those eight measures i played it a million times and i wrote down everything that 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 i liked you know and then i Don't I had no memory of this I found it the workbook and I gave it to him and I showed him, and so it helped him do the transcription one of the reasons was because I really went through about 20 um, ideas and then I wrote them down in, in, in numbers like so okay. I'll start with that one. That's one. That's two. Okay. That's two A, because it's kind of related. And that's two B, and then I'll go to three. And so I went to all the way up to ten, whatever it was, and I and I had my form of my composition. You know, um, and so it was great to find that after 15 years, having forgotten that that had that's how I did it. You know what I mean? So um anyway.
2: You know, I just wanna say before Cheryl responds to that, that that's so similar to the way we learn this heavy classical repertoire, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've we done through Yale these master classes with great people, one of whom is Seymour Bernstein, who wrote this amazing book called With Your Own Two Hands. He's a pianist. And he had this way of, you know, working on music and memorizing it where you do exactly that, where you like kind of chop up the piece into phrases and you memorize each phrase and play them out of context and play them back in context. and go back and go chord to chord and this to this. And it, it's great to hear um, that your compositional process and your learning of other styles, that's a transferable skill, right? Yeah,
0: yeah no, it is, definitely. And by the way, I just want to say that student was Carl Marino, who did yeah, the who's and-
2: a, He's another great classical and jazz player and a yeah. nylon string player. Um, yeah.
0: It was great working with him when he was a student at Berkeley, and um, yeah, inspiring because he's a monster on the guitar, and um, yeah. Yeah,
2: Um, you know, Freddie, you mentioned your parents earlier, and um, they were great musicians, your parents, and um, growing up um, in a musical environment, like, what do you think, can you put your finger on now some things that just being around them sort of... Instilled in you as a musician.
0: Well, I got to hear lots of vocal lessons. My my father was a pianist, but he was also my mother's vocal coach <laughs> from when she was young, and um, and even well, I've you know I found after both of them died a uh, um, little notebook. I mean, the size of my hand, which had. Uh, all of the repertoire that he was coaching my mother on all the German leader all the Italian uh, arias and the French chanson, the Russian lullabies and the Yiddish lullabies and and uh, Spanish civil war songs and as spirituals, of course, and also musicals uh, from the American tradition and so <clears throat> so that was really amazing to see the organization. Of my father just saying, "Okay, well, we don't have enough of Schubert. let's get more schubert. let's you know what I mean, and uh, to build the repertoire and 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 so I would come home at three o'clock in in the afternoon four or maybe four o'clock after my guitar lesson. You know what I mean um, and uh, I played the guitar, and I played the piano. Many many times and quit it many times because I think it was my father's instrument, but the guitar seemed to be something I he couldn't correct me on. So (laughs) anyway, so um, so I would come home and I would just hear them working, you know, on phrasing and sound and relaxation and uh, uh, embouchure or mouth, you know, tongue and loose jaw. And I mean, I, so I, I really uh, got a lot of that. And um, also, I, my, I, my debut was at, at six years old, um, turning pages for my father in town hall in New York. So my, my brother who was 35 years older than me, that's another story. But anyway, um, being 41 years old, uh, Said, Dad, you know, I'm kind of busy, you know, like I can't do this concert. <laughs> so that's town hall. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm busy, you know, like, so okay, I got another son.
2: <laughs> so, and so that's he, a stressful gig turning pages is like that. Oh I have God. never in my life been more nervous than oh when I'm. A
0: Turner. Oh, the worst is when it oh. falls in, in the pianist's lap. Oh my God.
2: Or knowing when to go. Especially. Well, okay,
0: okay, this is the story, this is the story. So after the concert, um, my one of my father's students came up to him and, and to me on the street. I remember being on the street outside the town hall. And he said, Freddie, you did such a good job. You You turned the pages exactly when, you know, your father nodded. And I looked at my father and I said, you don't have to nod. I know when to turn the pages. <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad. Don't do that, Dad. And he said, but but you don't understand, Frey. I, I nod to every page turner because sometimes I want to see the last note, but sometimes I want to see the next page. So it's not an it's not an insult, you know. But at the time I I could read you know I said oh time to turn the page you know or I could see high notes or low notes or I could see rests you know I couldn't really read like like it's hard for me at the moment but anyway
2: um so we'll give you a break you know
0: (laughs) anyway so so that's what I I I could I could see what was going on the page you know what I mean and then a lot of busy crazy fast notes you know or or big whole notes you know but um anyway so that's what i so so i was really connected with the music that way and um you know they they were open <clears throat> they liked they liked uh me playing blues and they liked me playing anything and but my first record they gave me was uh segovia and carlos montoya and then um i remember when i was 13 um my father gave me the score to the concerto de Aranuez with a baton, a, a huge baton so I could practice, uh, you know, conducting and I loved it. I would play that record all the time. Actually, it was Pepe Romero all the time. Boom, boom, boom. I would just like wave that baton around. Look at the, you know, da 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 you know, oh my gosh, I love it. I'm getting goosebumps. But um, so uh, so that's but they also would give me You know what i wanted so christmas i got got to be there got Mm -hmm. to be there like michael jackson you know uh earthman and fire stevie wonder i got all these records that i wanted you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and um eventually i started to get into jazz and and uh i had a classical guitar teacher another person who gave me classical one week and jazz another week hey cheryl i guess i took private you know, <laughs> so, I mean, because I'm
2: I'm I... she relates to a lot of this, including probably being a page turner. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Were you a page turner? A rough gig, yeah. I come from a family of church organists, so it's, oh. a, ter- it's a terrifying gig, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's my my father was a church organist, uh, and uh, well, late... I
3: bet if we got into it, because my, my grandmother was a New Yorker, that's my. Growing up, I spent my time in New York. So they were probably in the same guild of organists in uh, New York City. (laughs) That would be wild.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can turn pages under pressure, you can do anything. That's how I feel about life. (laughs) Um, So Ian, I know you have a lot on your mind, but there's also a question you usually ask, and I'm wondering if you wanna tie that into what you might be thinking about.
0: I did Yeah.
1: so, uh, here's a question that we ask everybody um, on this. Uh, and you've kind of touched on a little bit of it, but uh, what's something that students should be thinking about or should be asking their teachers that they might not think to ask or that might not be on their radar?
0: Well, I did some research on your coffee talk. <laughs> so, I'll try to be prepared with this. Uh, I, you know, it a, it's a st- question that uh, is a hard one to answer because after teaching for so many years you seem like you've been asked everything <laughs> how can i play like eddie van halen you know how can i be like this how can i be like that you know um how do i get my picking hand better with the pick or should i use hybrid or should i you know i put it down should I put it in? you know all these kind of technical questions those technical questions are are always uh, important and especially everyone has their own individual technical questions so obviously everybody's a different person but I think the biggest thing <clears throat> that uh, um, gets lost sometimes in the hecticness of uh, um, lessons and life uh, is the big picture so what is the story what is the meaning what is the context of what i'm doing as a guitarist not uh, oh i have to do this exercise i have to do that exercise what are you going to put that into you know be creative you know uh um great you get you got the exercise but now you have to compose or improvise a solo, or you have to compose a piece or you have to be in a band and be part of that. Um, So I think that's really the magical thing about music. I mean, I know that there are people much better than me with all the technical aspects and every, every, every possible way of playing something you know in the Mick Goodrick (laughs) big huge book kind of kind of thing you know what I mean. Um, This is the book I'm talking about, you know, it's whatever you put in it. And then you know, when you put something in it, then that's where you are. And you have to push yourself up from there. So you can get crazy exercises and put it in there, then that will be you, you know what I mean? Um, Obviously, you can do this without a book. But for me, I think it helps to have something down. But anyway, um, so so when i what I get really excited is when when people probably start putting the, the 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 pieces of the puzzle together you know um and there's something um that comes out of that you know so uh, yeah so it's a it's a very general answer and a very general question, but every music and every performance and every style um has that to be answered before you go up there on the stage you know um because nobody i mean well let me not say that I, you know a lot of people like to hear people play exercises you know what i mean because it's impressive but you gotta you gotta put it somewhere and make statement so sometimes <clears throat> i like to uh whittle it down to one chorus Play one chorus, you know what I mean? Stop, you know what I mean? Record it, listen to it tomorrow, whatever it is, you know? Um, play another chorus, separate, you know what I mean? And listen to it tomorrow uh, or the next week, you know? And, um, <clears throat> you know, that will, that will teach you a lot because uh, some people would only get the bridge to take a solo on. Like for instance, the great Lonnie Smith who I got to play with in, in college. I, I, I got him to come up to Amherst College and play play a quartet gig with me with Bob Franceschini and uh, Fuku Tainaka. And I was just, uh, you know, 20 or something like that. And uh, it was amazing. But, you know, back in the old days, especially on a record, um, George Benson was the star. You know, he would play a solo, Ronnie Cooper play a solo, and then maybe, you know, you get 10 bars to play on the bridge or something like that, you know, on the organ, you know. So you have to make your statement and have to say something. Um, and just one last quote on, on that. Uh, when I was uh, at the same time, I was hanging out up, uptown in Harlem in Showman's and Dudes and, you know, uh, all, these, all these places in, in Harlem where I met Lonnie. <clears throat> I also met uh, Tommy Turantine. And Tommy Turantine, the brother, the trumpet playing brother of Stanley Turantine. Pittsburgh, uh, I, knew, I knew him in Pittsburgh. Oh, oh wow, you knew yeah. him? He's a yeah, guy. exactly. And he was hanging out, and so I think he taught me a word that was uh, a Lester Young prez term, and it was vaunts, vaunts. So I said, Freddie, man. Sometimes you just gotta vaunce it.
3: Just play one note or two notes.
0: Put up, bap, just leave it. That's your statement, you know, and then maybe after that, you come in with something else, but you know, start out vaunce. And I said, vaunce? Yeah, man, vaunce, so.
3: I love I me mean, of Steve Slagle always that's it <laughs> he
0: yeah that's his word <laughs> that's his word too he probably has a different definition for it you know because I don't, I only heard it that once except for probably heard Steve say it the uh, uh you know that I did you know because I hung around with him but I I didn't notice it I'm going to ask him next time and say who taught you that and where what does it mean because it was like one of those things where he couldn't tell me what it mean he could just explain kind of you know it's it's an attitude it's an approach it's a, it's a it's a statement you know so <laughs> amazing
2: <laughs> we've covered so much ground and Cheryl, I'm wondering if there's one more thing on your mind as we're kind of coming to the to the hour
3: well i you know what really struck me is Because again, we've had this conversation about writing in the book and creating your book, making your book, and I, I found that really interesting. That story about finding your father's book.
0: Oh yeah, that's
3: true. Like you're just, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree.
0: you know Yeah well, well luckily i i don't collect new york times uh sunday new york times for the for the 50 years and have them hoarded up in the whole bedroom
3: yes that's a good yes that's <laughs> that, good.
0: that was because he always circled the article that he was eventually going to cut out of the paper but never got to cut them out and uh, so that was a little bit of a you know, uh, a family issue. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. But uh, And my mother, I, I guess, you know, I, I heard her sing so many times. Actually, my father sang me lullabies. Uh, my mother was the singer, but my father sang us the lullabies. And um, I guess that was his, his thing. Um, but really, um, I'm really uh, happy now to be writing lyrics uh, for the first time and having them come you know alive actually. Um, It's a hard process um, and um, but because my mother sang in seven languages and I only understood one I really did not pay too much attention to the lyrics now when I heard them singing you know, sometimes I feel like a motherless child, you know, I would get a lump in my throat, you know what I mean, uh, when I was turning the pages, you know what I mean, so I can understand, I mean, I do listen to lyrics, but 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 because of that, um, I kind of went, and my brother, my older brother, it was a classical composer, studied with yo, and um, you know, so I heard all kinds of weird classical 12 tone music and um operas and you know that he wrote and and so so that was um you know like kind of a a big so that's what i'm saying like i i, I would hear all this music but i wouldn't necessarily concentrate on the vocals and the and the lyrics but but um it's really it's really a wonderful thing. <laughs> Let me cut it short.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ian, what about you? what's what's on your mind here?
1: Well, I mean, I think as we're coming to the end of this, I I don't know, I'm just gonna take your advice and write things down a lot more. you know. Finale is really easy to use for me, making charts and writing down written notes, but I feel like getting back into just writing out, you know, writing out the dots. Okay, we do that a lot more.
0: Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wing it on this one. But last night, my wife was in a screenwriters uh, class. And the teacher has uh, didn't develop this app, but there is an app that she uses. And um, you type, it's like something called like the, the most dangerous writing app ever. And you type and if you stop for five seconds it erases everything you've typed <laughs> so basically just get into the you know time yourself 15 minutes i'm just gonna write i'm just gonna write you know just keep it going just keep writing keep writing keep writing and then stop it you know then it won't erase it you know what i mean but but most a lot of times you get into this picture it is this uh, mindset set where you just you can't write until it's perfect and then you can't really get anything perfect until you put it down there and then realize that you need to change things um so that was also something again a Yale thing I took a, a, a classical composition course uh at Yale and the and the, the guy was a composer he Like we're musicians we're performers and we write, but this guy was a composer he said every day. I open my drawer and I take out and I write you know I might throw it in there, I might never use it, but I write every day and 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 what happens i'll find something that I wrote and and i'll be able to use it next year, you know. Um, and so it's like a muscle. In your brain, you know, um, if you don't do it, you, um, you can psych yourself out, you can have uh, mental blocks and writer's block because, because you're overanalyzing and over critiquing yourself. So just, just do it.
2: <laughs> That's great advice. Um, I want to go back to my old notebooks now and look at them. And uh, I love that idea that your notebook is where you're at, you know, and you can really embrace that. Um, yeah.
0: And then you look at the old ones and you say, I forgot half of that stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I also want you to know that I specifically brought this coffee mug today. Um, it looks like a rocket ship. It's from NASA, the Space Center. And um, and it says rocket fuel on it. And I brought it in your honor because I knew that there's going to be a lot happening in this hour. So, um, thank you, Freddie. Uh, thank you. We'll go back and listen to this one for sure. <laughs> good idea is like how to bring a lot of things together. And I think it's really good to have this conversation as so many students and faculty are thinking about coming back after mm-hmm. the pandemic with all of these innovative ideas and, you know, a little apprehensive maybe about what might meet us, but excited at the same time. So, Good luck, everyone! Like getting ready to pull things together. Yeah. And we'll see a lot of you on campus soon. We'll see you, Freddie, soon. So enjoy yeah. the island. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Um. Thank you, Ian. As usual. Cheers. Thank you, Cheryl. Good, Cheryl. Cheers. And uh, cheers, Freddie Bryant. And next, um,
0: next time I'll have my proper Berkeley uh, cup. It's it's one I didn't put in my suitcase. I'm sorry.
2: That's okay. And we'll clink them together. Well, over tacos or
0: something. Well, it's safe. It's safe at home.
2: That's great. All right, everyone. Have a great okay. week. And we'll see you on the next Coffee Talk. Thank you.